you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Around the NFL Podcast. Can't stop eating baked goods. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Ho! Tuesday show. It's packed. I don't. Oh, what a show! We're I don't back. get where some of the tags come from. Is that something that I've um, missed along the way? That someone here is obsessed with baked goods and mm-hmm. cannot stop eating them? I don't remember that narrative. Usually, when you reference food, it will be something about meat, like you're eating pig liver or something. You don't usually move into the the baking realm when you're making your food mm-hmm. takes. And I, I don't remember making any comments myself. So yeah, I, that was a mystery to me too. I, I don't either, but um, I, w- I do wonder as a fooditarian, Mark, you famously just, you know, don't like food. Uh, how is, how has it been, you know, in lockdown, you know, coronavirus time as a fooditarian? Well, I mean, I think we all had our period where you were just eating way too much takeout. Um, and, and, and as parents, you, I, fall victim of eating what the kids eat too often, which is unpleasant. But I have um, developed <laughs> a love for ramen noodle, um, which I don't think I had, you know, in my system um, previous. But I, like I take out or like the 30 cent things from the groceries. Well, a little bit of both takeout for, has I've had some delicious takeout ramen. Um, but since we moved to uh, Hawthorne, California, home of the Beach Boys. Um, I've been using more of the the cook it yourself versions, which are just delightful, and they're easy to make. I you know I can make those without directions. Pour you know water. what I would love? I would love Mark for you. You know Mike Lowe from the Beach Boys, the the one that's a that no one likes. Sure. For you to just start wearing the Beach Boys baseball cap that Mike Lowe wears at all time to cover up uh, his bald spot. I think you mean Mike Love because it, oh his, yeah, Mike Love. Yeah. His nephew was on the. Cavaliers or is on the Cavaliers for for a while there. Yeah, Kevin is, Love is his nephew. Kevin is his that. nephew. Yeah, um, Mike Love though is notoriously um, he he had some reasons to be annoyed with uh, one of the Beach Boys who passed away. I don't think we need to get to it on this show, but there were some stuff that I would see as a 
it would it would it would end some friendships if, if someone did the same. Let's put it that way. Okay. See, that's good. You have both sides now covered of the Beach Boys controversy here on the Around the NFL podcast. Sure. Breaking uh, news. Very busy show. You mentioned your children. My family left for Texas this morning, so the house is silent and Whoa. weird. I don't like it. Two weeks. Wow. And, and I'm yeah, not. You like it a little bit. Um, well, I'll like it probably for two days, but I don't. I I don't know. I'm just, it's just not my thing. Uh, so it's very quiet and weird here. So it's good to have company with uh, you gentlemen and all of our listeners across the world as we dig into the final game of Week Nine, the first game of Week Ten, and we have a guest this week. Uh, you know, you might have remembered our Wheel of Team series that was very. Divisive amongst the uh, fan base, uh, people upset that they thought the wheel of teams was rigged. It wasn't. Uh, we're not bringing back the wheel, but we're, we wanted to focus in on one team. Now, once we're in the season, it will be the Philadelphia Eagles, and to do that, uh, we are going to speak with Bo Wolf of the Athletics. So we're excited uh, to do that. So let us get this show rolling. And yes, start with what went down Monday night at the Meadowlands. Jets have a timeout left if they want it. Folk on the way. And it is good with zeros on the clock. Nick Folk, the field goal from 51 yards away. And that's how the Jets fall to 0-9. And the Patriots fight on for another day. That's Steve Levy, who, by the way, was just on the Rich Semini of ESPN.com Flight Jack podcast. He's a Jets fan, so that might have been a tough call for him. Yes, Nick Folk, the X-Jet, hits the 51-yarder, lifting the Patriots to a 30-27 win over gangrene. The Pats wiped out a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit in this game to really, let's be honest, save their season potentially here. They lose to the Jets uh, on Monday night with the Ravens coming up in a week. They're they're done potentially, 2-6 and six with 2-7 and seven on the way. But they saved their own bacon. Greg Rosenthal, and they did it because they dominated the fourth quarter in a way you don't typically see in our league. Yeah, you got to take what you can get, you know, as a fan or just as a person in the year 2020. I think the, I think this is going to go down as the high point of the Patriots season, which which sounds funny. Like there's a way you could look at this as like it's it's sad how how far they've fallen that they got to come back from ten. Um, or you could just like enjoy enjoy the moment that they they got to come back. It was fun. The offense and Cam Newton made plays, and um, that's it. You know, it's it, sometimes NFL seasons. Like if you're a fan, you're you're hoping for a destination, right? The Patriots have no destination. You know, they're this is they're. I think in a best case scenario, they're winning six or seven games. I, I think they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. They're definitely one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and, and I don't think that changes. Um, so you got you got to like take take what you can get and have some fun along the way. They they might have a couple fun wins like like this. You you do not want to lose to the Jets. That would have been uh, embarrassing, I think, for Bill Belichick and and everyone else, considering where the Jets were were at. And, but there, it's not like something you come out of and you think, okay, let's. Let's, uh, you know, get it going. Let's save our season. Like, they're cooked. They're, there's no coming back from the lack of talent that they have uh, in the front seven of their defense. I think if you're a Jets fan, this was, and, and this is my take, Dan. You may have a different one on the Jets, but the best possible outcome because 
they were competitive. And this was a, their first real look to have Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perriman, and Denzel Mims, who, who we're starting to see moments from Denzel Mims that give you hope. They were, they hadn't been on the field together all season. And I know it's Joe Flacco, but Flacco, Flacco played, uh, like the Flacco of old. I mean, I, you know, he can't move and stuff, but he, he, he found big plays against the secondary. The Patriots have no pass rush. I mean, but, but, you cannot come out of this thing with a win. And I, I know that it's different for the players and the coaches, but the Jets right now have the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Browns, and the Patriots again. If you get through that with the number one pick, you are, you're looking at a front office with a bevy of other selections. Um, you will go get the best quarterback available with a new coaching staff. The era of, you know, laughing stock scenarios for the Jets would end quickly. And so had they won last night and, you well, know, that's what they thought when they drafted Sam Darnold too. Well, but he's been put in a terrible situation. I think you'd start to see the team hopefully take a bit of a turn with a better general manager, um, more selections and, you know, Trevor Lawrence grades higher than any of these quarterbacks that have come through the system in the last five or six years. So bigger picture, I mean, it would be nice to not, you know, go 0 and 16, but you don't want to fall out of that number one position. I mean, yes, I was told that repeatedly um, on Twitter by people that are texting me. Don't let your team win. Keep losing. All right, fine. I, I guess good job for, uh, the, by the Jets last night. I, you know, I thought the Jets were stepping on the rake from either direction last night. And Mark, you, you'll get fired up about Twitter middle, middle school, as you call it, um, quite often. And, and usually I don't, but you know, w- when you're a little closer to the situation, it, uh, it, it's annoying because last night basically it was coming from all directions. You had the bottomless Belichick conspiracies, which were really cute all week. Uh, Mark, I'm not coming after you, but, about 7,000 people uh, cooked up that same exact theory that Belichick was going to ruin the Jets season. So you had that going on. And um, so if the Jets win, Belichick gets the best of you, and you laugh at them for ruining the tank for Trevor sweepstakes. If the Jets lose, everyone gets to laugh at them for their incompetence. Uh, And that's just where things are right now, and it makes football less fun for me. But I did enjoy that they actually were competitive in this game. And, and that I take a positive out of that just because I don't like watching the team get absolutely killed week after week. And the, the, with the Patriots, it's like, that wasn't the Patriots having a bad night. <laughs> that wasn't no, like, that's wow, who they are. Can you believe that the Patriots, you know, overlooked the Jets, uh, the, that they had a trap game with the Ravens and they almost, looked, no, the Patriots aren't good. They are not a good team. And the fact that uh, if the Jets were just competent in the fourth quarter with their, uh, with some decision making and play calling, and maybe get one stop on defense, the Jets should have won that game going away. So, yeah, the Patriots, I think, are are still in deep trouble. Uh, but for the to to your point, Mark, like I get it, I get it. And Jets fans are so starved and neglected after years of abuse that there's a vocal portion of the fan base fan base <laughs> so that will just get after you and deride you as a fool for even entertaining the notion that you shouldn't root for your team to go 0-16, but I think life is too short for 0-16. Right, exactly. And just because you win uh, you win one game in Week 9 doesn't mean the Jets don't get Trevor Lawrence. And even if they get Trevor Lawrence, it doesn't mean the Jets are going to all of a sudden be a functional franchise. I just wanted to live in the moment, beat Belichick, and have a nice exactly. night, but we don't get that. 
Exactly. And it's against your rival team. And that's why, like, I that was a good night to stay off Twitter. I was on it early on, and I was just like, I don't need this. I'll send a few out. If it was I, really good. If I feel it inspired. But, uh, Everyone was very clever, I thought. But, but then jump off. I, yeah, it, it does seem funny that – and I read this weekly column by Mike Sando on The Athletic, and there's always all these, like, theories of, like, why Belichick's doing this from, like uh, – and this isn't fans, so I put it in a different category. It's from other coaches – and GMs, why is Belichick saying this? Are they t- are they tanking? Are they why is he making these? Excuse- He's so in everyone's head that they can't just accept that the team's terrible. They're, they're, and 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 you said like they saved their season. And I saw some stuff early on Twitter like like you know wow this could really put the nail in the Patriots. I was like people have not watched the Patriots since the the Chiefs and Seahawks game because it's not the offense. There's so much focus on Cam Newton and the running game. And the in the offense, look, they've they've doing the best they can, and I think they've done that for the most part the last couple of weeks, and more or less a lot of the season. Uh, they're doing the best they can. I think they could be functional, but it's the thirty first ranked defense in the league according to DVOA, and they're without Gil. You know, they're without Stephon Gilmore, and maybe they're a little better when they get him back. He's a defensive player of the year, of course, he, he'll help. But that that's it, Lawrence Guy. Like, okay, maybe you get him back, you're a little better. They're terrible. I mean, there's no way they're going to be able to survive. And it and it's a different sort of terrible. If you're if you're the Jets, if you want to look at like the flip side and be positive. Um, they have a left tackle. It's frustrating. Makai Becton keeps losing these games, and there's some talk that was about him struggling breathing. That That's a concern. Um, but you, you found him. You found Denzel Mims. Like, you have a couple young players on the team. Show, show me the young players on the Patriots' front seven that they're finding. They played 22 guys last night, most of them like 10 to 15 snaps. They're just cycling through undrafted free agents looking for anyone uh, to step up, and so even that part of the season's been a, been a struggle for the Patriots. I, I don't think Belichick's playing head games. The most honest statement he made is, "We sold out all these years. We spent our money. We we went and got Super Bowl trophies, which That's, is a perfectly acceptable like." Well, but it doesn't explain why they've drafted poorly. Well, they drafted they poorly, no but they also but you but but you don't come out of that twenty year journey saying pointing at all the issues the Patriots have. They they bottomed out right now to some degree. They have the fourth most cap space. Entering 2021, I think, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have a chance to rebuild. But Dan, I mean, don't forget as a Browns fan, I've been through what you're going through. They were one in 31 over two years. And you want to talk about shots and jabs and humor and wit cracking directed at the Browns? It's been going on for 20 years. Oh, I've won a playoff game since I was in, in, since 1995. So I'm with you. I hear you, but you have to, you cannot come out of this without the number one prize. And so I think a Monday night win would have been nice and one in 15 will get you there, but it's just not worth Maybe. it. Right. It's, it's just not worth it. Jaguars have a very tough schedule. I'm they with do. you, Mark, and I'm not looking to do like a, a measuring stick of who has more pain or anything, but what I'm saying is, I mean, right, you literally say, write that column and I say that humorously, but <laughs> let's say, and I had the Browns ahead of the Jets, um, but let's say the Browns are, Oh, and eight, and it's week nine, and you're playing the Steelers. That's a Dan Hansis shout out. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Rudd. And you're you're playing the Steelers, and you have a chance to beat the Steelers. Are you one of the people, one of the Browns fans, saying I want to lose this game and then lose seven more and go zero and sixteen? When they when they so they went the one in fifteen year. Do, I, do you remember that they were in a race with the Niners for the number one pick? And I was openly rooting for Cleveland to lose because there was no value or joy in those. But at teams what point? Winning. 
But were you doing it in early November? In December is different. But at this I, point, my my thing is, look, at, I am a little different than you, and I think this sort of I, I see your dad and you when you you want the Jets to prevail oh. and win and beat. The, that is not how I was said that, but that to, to beat the Patriots, I get it. But I think if you're, if you're Cleveland, you went so many years where you just had the third or fourth pick. You didn't get there with the number one pick and they kept missing on quarterbacks. And if they're done with Sam Darnold, you cannot fall for anything other than getting Trevor Lawrence. I think Justin Fields looks interesting too. They're going to get one of those two guys, but this is a dance. This is a dance. They're going to have to do real nimbly with the Darnold thing too. I mean, it's a bit of a drama, but if I'm Darnold, I want out of there, and Jets fans are in a tough place because it's not easy. It's not easy or organic to root for football. The life force goes out when you're when you're having to root for your team to lose. Life's too I mean, short. I don't. That's I don't where I'm that. in my life. But Greg, 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 like Draft life is too short. But you have ne- you. But you have no like I, living during, idea during of what when I was going through. Sure, as an adult, but during the most emotional time I ever was as a fan, like my favorite season was Dick McPherson going six and ten because that was like the most fun they were for about a seven year period. And that's when I was like more more like living and dying and disappointed that the next day. All I mean is like the the the, the result of last night doesn't guarantee the pick. It's like it's like Dan said. You just want to have it. It's kind of like how I viewed that game as a Pats fan. Like on one sense it's it's disarming to have such low stakes. Like to be a Patriots fan, like there felt like there was no stakes to that game, really. Uh, I even started thinking, you know, you start rationalizing. It was like, well, if you're ever going to lose to the Jets, like this is the season to do it. But it's still fun to just watch your team win. Like that's really have, all I'm looking for. I have two, just like you, Mark. I have two young boys at home. Uh, it's it's a Monday night game, and it would have been nice to have them sitting on the couch and enjoy a Jets win. Like that. That's part for me, part of the fan experience. Even if like. The smarter fans out there are telling me, and again, not a shot at you, but this is more what was out there telling me you're an idiot for wanting your team to win because you're going to get Trevor Lawrence and win the Super Bowl once you have that set up. I, none of that's guaranteed. I've been following this team in the sport long enough that like you, nothing's promised. So I just wanted that win, but what? maybe it does. Maybe it is. Maybe this is the biggest moment in Jets history. It could be. Who knows? The one last thing. I mean, there's another, you know, narrative here and there's, there's a lot of season left. Darnold comes back. These wide receivers are healthy. Darnold could play four or five really good games. They fall out of the mix. And that's not the worst situation either if you believe in Sam Darnold. I mean, I feel like the weird thing is you're pushing what was and could still be a you franchise a quarterback family. out the door. And it's like that's – you don't have nobody. You have Sam Darnold who four although, months ago everyone was super excited about. I think although as a Patriots fan, I was watching that game and thinking – you know, they, they they made the game plan for Darnold on some level. They did a good head fake making the Patriots think all these zero blitzes and Joe Flacco spinning it. And I'm thinking they would be better off with Darnold out there. I wouldn't have much faith in Darnold having a night that like that. I mean, they, we'll, we'll they, we knew Darnold wasn't we knew Darnold wasn't playing on Friday. So Saturday weird if they were game planning for him still. But all, all good points. <laughs> and I think uh, you're right, Mark, with Perryman, Mims and Crowder there. That's actually a pretty solid wide receiver group. And now that we've seen Flacco be able to move the ball, now Darnold, assuming comes back after the bye, healthy. Now you, you get, here, kid, seven weeks. Show us that you can deliver those type of games. And if you can't, we're moving on. So, anyway, there you go. Good job, Greg. Congratulations on another Patriots win over Thanks. the Jets. <laughs> All right, before we get 
to Bo Wolf to talk the Eagles and Carson Wentz. Let's look ahead to Week 10 and a big matchup in the AFC South. Thursday Night Football opens with a really, really solid game here. Indianapolis Colts at Tennessee Titans, first place in the AFC South. At stake in this one, the Colts coming off, um, you know, a loss to the Ravens where the offense did not look uh, very good at all. The Titans defense got back on track against the Bears, but can you trust any judgment day on a defense when they're playing the Bears? I don't know. Uh, this is going to be a good game on a short week. Tough challenge for both teams in the middle of November. Mark, what are you thinking here? Well, I think it's, you know, we we always get into these strength on strength type scenarios, but I like the idea of the Colts defense versus a really tough Titans offense that's not quite been itself of late. And and I kind of was trying to wonder why, what might have happened there a little bit. I do think that there's a little bit of a drop-off since they lost Taylor Luan. And I know that like Ty Sambrillo's come in there and done um, a pretty good job. They're a, they're a, their line is fine, but you're playing a Colts defense that absolutely nullified the Ravens in the first half of that game and really almost you know throughout until the Ravens came to life in, 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 the, in the midway through this, the third quarter. But 55 yards at the half, I think with Darius Leonard in there, it's such a difference maker. They, they erase run games. So I want to see Titans, you know, Derrick Henry on the ground versus Colts defense that basically says, we're going to, you know what we're going to do. We're going to take you away on the ground and then you have to survive through the air. And I mean, they've, to me, that's an, that this is one of the better Thursday night games in a while because these two teams know each other so well too. And the, and it, it's so uh, important for this division. You know, neither of these teams I would expect to get a, a one seed, but it still is a big advantage to win your division, get a home game in the first round of the playoffs. Vrabel uh, struggled, you know, with the Colts. He's one and three against them. Lost to Jacoby Brissett at one point. I do remember there was like a a Thursday night whitewash where Mariota got hurt and the and Andrew Luck just like creamed him. That feels like five years ago. That was too, like not that long. It was about it was less than two years ago, twenty eighteen. So I think the Colts match up really well. Not just like because it's a coaching matchup, because it just feels like this is a team Rivers can get do his thing against. A team that's not going to rush the passer that well. That he can move the ball uh, slowly down the field. And you mentioned the Colts, you know, defense. Their defensive line is so deep. So if you haven't watched them a ton. They just have like six or seven guys that can make plays. Muhammad, Danico, Autry, Buckner, Houston. They kind of come in waves. And this Titans offensive line, you said it, Mark, that's what struck me the last few weeks. They're not playing that well. They're really requiring Tannehill to play at a really high level. He is. He's definitely the better quarterback in this game. But I kind of think it sets up on both sides fairly well for the Colts. It's not a defense, I think, that's going to trouble Rivers nearly as much as, as most. Yeah, I see the Colts as ultimately in the big picture pretenders when you're looking at who are the true um, AFC Super Bowl contenders. But at the same time, they're good enough and their defense is strong enough. And when Rivers gets time, uh, he can still do things uh, that they can beat teams like the t- Titans and lesser than type teams. So I think this is a, a a good matchup for Indianapolis. And it's a lot of it goes back to the pass rush because I think the teams with the good pass rushes are going to give the Colts hell. They don't run the ball too well and the quarterback can't move. Uh, and that's just asking a lot uh, for this version of the Colts. So Vic Beasley out the door, obviously. They said, get out of here, take our money and leave. Jadavion Clowney missed week nine. I think he's questionable for this game. They need him to get back and and make an impact as a pass rusher. Um, I like the Titans in this game because I, I think they're a better ga- a better team, ultimately. Hmm. And they're home. 
Um, so that's where I'm going with this game. I think this is a Titans win. And I think they take control, and I think they ultimately can win the division going away. But I'm giving the Colts more than a fighting chance here. I would take the Titans too. I think that they, you know, they were a PR disaster with the Corona business, but they were pretty resilient with how they handled that. The one thing you mentioned that with Vic Beasley, I think it's, they, they would have been better served by a more successful offseason. The Vic Beasley thing happened. Clowney signing has not completely worked out for them. And I was looking at what's been going on with their first round pick, Isaiah Wilson, who they wanted to come in and be a part of that line that he would have stepped in and helped with Taylor the one out. And I was reading an athletic article where a source said he has a, he is a disaster. Someone they called him lazy and useless. He's um been he's had, Isaiah they, Wilson. They the played him last pick. week. They started him last week. I don't think he made it through the whole game though. He, he's had two exposures to Corona. He's right. had a, he had a DUI in September, and he he a couple weeks ago just missed practice two days in a row with a headache. And basically, Rabel was like. I can't work with these guys who only practice on Fridays. So, I mean, that's been a hit and miss so far. Right. If he, That's one of those things. If he was on like a, a major team in a major market, like that would be a huge story. But if you, Tennessee is like the place where you can be a first round pick and have like a nightmare and no one pays attention. I want to see the Colts get Naheem Himes the ball a little bit more. Uh, I've seen enough of Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Hines has juice. If you, if you need to run it up the middle, put Jordan Wilkins in. They're just a better offense uh, when, when they have a little more Naheem Hines. T.Y. T- Hilton looks like he will return. Uh, for this game, which that does help them out. And we I'm do want, before we bring on one of uh, Philadelphia's shining sons, Bo Wolf. actually don't know if Bo's from Philadelphia. Uh, Colleen is, and uh, I would like to see her, you know what? Might be the last time we get it. Let's get Philip Rivers with the bolo tie uh, for the post-game show. I, I think the Titans will win, yeah. but I'd be very cool with seeing uh, Rivers mixing it up with the TNF crew and Connie. And yes, now, without further ado, First thing we're gonna figure out where the hell Bo's from. I don't know. I took a guess there. It's not. I mean, I live in Los Angeles, and and I work for the NFL. I'm not from here. What an assumption. Let's welcome Bo Wolf to the show from the Athletic, uh, who covers he covers the Eagles and the NFL. Uh, there he is, Bo. Let's first of all let's. You know what? I can almost tell by your background that you are from Philadelphia. Yes or no? Uh, no, actually, and and uh, you know I would like to tell you that. Uh, this background is the result of me not having a chance to scramble after, uh, you know, cleaning up uh, spit up from my nine day old before the show started. Oh, this, is, oh, this is just uh, our birds with friends background. Thank you. Uh, oh, the, wow. the truth is, Dan, uh, I'm from uh, I'm from Westchester. And once upon a time, we shared uh, pages in, in the journal news. Whoa, look at this. How about that? So there you go. I think well, I think I sent this to, uh, you know, Greg a couple of years ago. I was researching a story on an old high school nemesis. And there it was. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Dan Hansis that's, that's painting right. the picture of some uh, picture on a, on the other side of the county. Uh, you yeah. know, we, his, my, his, his actions during the game or something like that. It was very it was very heated. I covered more on the Rockland County side, which was on the other side of the Tappan Zee Bridge. Rest in peace. I covered the Rockland County baseball beat. Ian Rappaport. Uh, covered the Westchester County beat, and uh, we would meet up at the sectionals up north and and get into some good times. Uh, but Bo is a Westchester dude. All right, that's been learned. But what we really want to talk about, Bo, here is the Eagles, and more specifically. And I brought this up with the guys last week. I'm a Carson Wentz fan. I've always liked his game, and obviously in 2017, he damn near won the MVP before he blew out his knee. Uh, and now we're here at a crossroads in his career. So I want to talk about that. And I know your colleague, uh, Sheil Capadita? Capadia. 
Kapadia, damn, I knew I was going to nail that wrong. Uh, when he uh, wrote a piece that went up today about Wentz's decline with a whole bunch of uh, metrics digging into the whole thing. Where, where do you come down on this? What has happened to Wentz and can he be fixed before the season is through? Well, I think that's the question, you know, the Eagles have to answer. And there's no doubt about it. You know, if you read that, that story by Sheila, which everybody who's interested should, um, the decline has been very real and, and precipitous since 2017. You know, this year he is arguably the worst full time starting quarterback in the NFL. Um, Oof. He has been, I mean, that's, it's hard to say that, but it's true. I mean, you watch that game. He was barely out playing Ben DiNucci a couple of weeks ago. So, um, <laughs> Benny DiNucci, as we call him. Um, so, I mean, listen, he is, he has been, uh, he has had fumbling issues since the beginning of his career. And that is a thing that he has been asked to work on and asked to work on and really has never fixed it. And that has continued to rear its ugly head. But the interceptions, um, is a thing that, he has been pretty low in interception rate in the past, but there was reason to believe coming into the season uh, that that was going to regress, and it has regressed in a big way. Uh, he has given away the ball more than any other quarterback, but he's also not really you know, creating the big plays when he's not turning the ball over. He's taking sacks. He's been inaccurate, and you know, it's one of those things where you have to try to find out how much is Wentz, how much is the supporting cast, how much is the team they've put around him. Uh, everybody certainly shares a part of it, but you know, when you – draft a quarterback in the second round and your starting quarterback is playing this badly. Uh, it's the recipe for, you know, a lot of discussion. Yeah. I, I was um, taken in that article, you know, how little uh, excuse making shield made because the injuries have been there, but you know, the performance has come down, but the injuries have been kind of a constant. So the part that, uh, that gets me is, is he less athletic than he used to be? And because uh, that's important, like, and I think watching him, it, it you sort of forget what he looked like in 2017, how he would evade evade the rush. He's still athletic, um, but maybe not like the sudden sort of pocket movements and everything. Uh, not as accurate. I've always thought he wasn't that accurate, but just like the numbers say, he's not as accurate. Now, now I'm thinking though, I didn't know you only had a kid nine days ago, Bo. Congrats, thank by you. By the way, so did we make? You know, you do uh, Birds with Friends, a podcast about the Eagles with Shield, right? He, and Zach he drops, he drops a big hammer. You know, a lead story on the Athletic today. You just had a kid. Did we make a mistake having you on the show? Well, no, but I'm sure that we are going to talk about this on Birds with Friends, and, and he's going to have a lot to say. So, yeah, he's he's been itching to come on, I'm sure. I uh, I, I asked you, uh, you, you, your response to me when I asked you on the show was really funny to me. You just thought you were surprised that we didn't have better things to talk about. Uh, yeah, well, I said this on our on our last episode. You know, it's it's day two with the newborn. We're in the hospital, and they're and they're telling us, you know, this is going to be a tough night. The baby is still thinking it's in the womb, and now it's just figuring out it's not. So it's going to be up all night. She's going to be up all night. And it's Sunday night football, the Cowboys. And by the time the Eagles have their second ridiculous turnover, she's fast asleep. They put her to sleep. So that's how, that's how boring the Eagles team has been. Oof. Um, but I, my response was, uh, well, I always overrate the Eagles, and I always have high hopes for them. Um, and you said, well, they've overrated them too. I want, I kind of want you to un- unpack that because I think there is something to that, that the Eagles always think, and I think, and some, some of the people covering the team always think they're like this juggernaut roster waiting to come. And the reality is they're 500 with, with Wentz since the Super Bowl. Yeah, and, and I think it's sort of uh, endemic of, you know, what got them to the Super Bowl, and that was pushing chips in, uh, and that is Howie Roseman's MO. He does it, you know, every year. He does it at the trade deadline. He does it in the offseason. But uh, 
this time has sort of always been coming with the way this roster has been built. They keep extending the older players. You know, you look at the offensive line, they've got these four offensive linemen locked up over the age of 30. You know, it's you can't really say it's bad luck that so they've they've suffered so many injuries there. And they entered this offseason um coming off two straight years of having a pretty mediocre offense and a defense that was injured a lot, but Jim Schwartz was able to sort of, you know, make them mediocre, middle of the road. And what they did this offseason was they decided we're going to leave the offense as is. We're going to, you know, use our big resources to sign Javon Hargrave to, you know, $14 million deal and trade and sign Darius Slay. And they did nothing veteran wise on the offensive side of the ball. All they did was draft Jalen Rager in the first round, draft a backup quarterback in the second and a a linebacker in the third who hasn't even been, been able to get on the field. And. Guess what? Like the offense has not been much better. It's obviously been much worse. They've, they sort of had found gold in Travis Fulgham, who's been, you know, the, the one or two bright spots of the season and the defense. They're not getting what they paid for. I mean, Javon Hargrave has been bad and Darius Slay has been great. And guess what? The defense has gone from 12th in DVOA to 14th in DVOA. So mm-hmm. it has not made a big difference. Um, and you know, they have, they have this core that they have tried to keep together. And it was always going to come to a point where those guys were going to start declining. And right now, you know, they've got an old, mediocre, expensive roster. And next year, they do not have a lot of cap cap flexibility. So, you know, thank God for the NFC East. But, uh, you know, big picture league wide, it's it's not they're not in good shape. Um, And I'm left with questions. You know, there's been changes with the coaching staff, and it was chic to label the departure of Frank Reich as a huge loss for Wentz. But I see a player that. You know, we, we see him declining under pressure. The floor for Carson Wentz seems to be changing. And I, I don't see a quarterback and a head coach or a quarterback in a scheme that trust each other right now. It, and it just seems to me that 2017 almost appears as a mirage to some degree. And that the real Carson Wentz, you know, every quarterback's dealing with injuries to some degree. And I saw that the, the Eagles line in that article is still, um, essentially eighth top 10 in, in pass protection uh, win rate. And so it's not just, you know, the broken pieces around him. Do you see Carson Wentz um, with a lack of trust in the environment and maybe the coaching staff? Because when you asked Doug Peterson about Carson Wentz a couple of weeks ago, he seemed also baffled. So I, it feels very murky. I think there is definitely something to that. Um, and you talk about, you know, first of all, the offensive line. This is going to be this game, probably their eighth different starting offensive line in nine games, which is insane. But Jeff Stoutland has has held them up to be sort of a top 10 offensive line performance wise. And I, I think to, to Greg's point before, it's not just the athleticism. It's it's the pocket awareness and, you know, the pocket comfortability that has really seemed to dissipate. Even as a rookie, he seemed comfortable in the pocket to, to maneuver away from things. And now, you know, he's sort of fleeing at the first sign of trouble um, when there is when there are opportunities for him to step up in the pocket. Um, and, you know, to the point of of all these voices in his head, this offense, you know, they didn't add people to the roster on offense this offseason, but they added a lot of coaches. They added Rich Scangarello, who had worked with Kyle Shanahan, they brought back Marty Morningweg. And, you know, it's it's sort of a question, you know, who is the person in Carson Wentz's ear? Is it Doug Peterson? Is it Morningweg? Is it Scangarello? Is it Press Taylor, who's, you know, the, the uh, passing game coordinator and, and also the quarterback's coach? He's getting all these different pieces of advice, and it does not seem that that he is getting better in in any appreciable way. He's, you know, he is declining. All right. Before we let you go, Bo, two quick questions. Number one, what is the Eagles' final record by New Year's Day? Mm. I'm gonna say they. uh, I'm gonna say they win the division at six, nine, and one. 
So mm. you've got, uh, you know, a, a city that has Bleak. celebrated a championship a couple of years ago and was celebrating, you know, uh, saving democracy this weekend <laughs> is not going to be greasing down the poles for six, nine and one. And OK, there you go. So that's history. And uh, speaking of history and uh, democracy, I saw on Twitter that you did visit. You made the pilgrimage to Four Seasons Total Landscaping and I believe the north end of Philadelphia. Uh, your takeaways. I, I got to tell you, this was uh, this was Sunday, and my other son, or my only son, my older child, you know, he's he's only napping in the car right now. So I decided he, him and I would take a little drive up to Northeast <laughs> Philly, and it's it's uh, the pictures don't even do it justice. I mean, it is just a barren wasteland of an area right next to the sex shop and across the street from the crematorium. And there were every now and then a couple of people, uh, you know, pulling out front to take their selfies in front. So you know, did you visit either of those? Philadelphia landmark? Did what? you visit either of those two auxiliary um, places of business <laughs> while you were when you were there? I did not because Casey had just fallen asleep in the car. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, and I think that's illegal, at least for one of them. <laughs> All right, Bo Wolf, follow him on Twitter, Bo underscore Wolf, and congratulations on the addition to the family. We all know the feeling, and uh, there's uh, not a better one in the world. Thank you guys very much. Uh, uh, first time, long time. So so happy to be here. Beautiful, Bo. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Bo. There he goes. Bo Thank Wolf you. from Westchester County, New York. Wow. It's good when the lower Hudson Valley represents in a national sense. No, wait, I, were, were you there at bumps. the same time? Like you were you know, like, I'm uh, gonna I didn't want to fall too far far down the lower Hudson Valley wormhole. I'm gonna connect with Bo off air to find yeah. out. If we were together, it's like it's like a wood. I think it was Gordon Bernstein's crossing in the night. I mean, you could have who knows what you could have accomplished together as a duo. What's what's up? Ricky? You got to well, smile. You said you said um, one of us illegal. Are you saying a sex shop is illegal or going to a crematorium? I'm bringing a child into. I don't think you could take a well. child in, right. inside a sex shop. But know. if they're nine days old. No, no. That, this why is would the you older do that? Child. Why, yeah, the, why yeah, would the you? older boy? But either way, um, I don't know. I feel like they do curbside. Erica's like, if the child is younger than two weeks old, you could take them anywhere in the world. And it's well, not isn't that how it works? <laughs> I take my kids to the crematorium all the time. It's just kind of gives you an appreciation of life. It's not going to last smart, forever. Man. Enjoy it right now. Circle of life, bro. All right. Before we go, I uh, put out a call on Twitter for the mailbag. Like to check in with all those listeners that we love. We just had, as we talked about at the top of the Sunday show, Mark, what a reminder of how lucky we are with the hashtag Godzilla phenomenon, uh, where we asked the listeners deep into our Thursday recap uh, podcast of Packers Niners to send us a nod if you made it to the end of the 15 minutes. Tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of replies. Millions. Still getting them. Millions even. <laughs> so w- what better way to thank the fans than in- involving them and including them in today's show? So I'm going to go through a couple, a uh, few questions uh, before we say goodbye. Here we go. Starting right here from three naive algorithms in a trench coat. Uh, Kitty at underscore tripod. Optimistic Miami fan here looking at last few games for the first time in eons. It feels like we don't have any substantial holes in the team outside of running back. I actually think we might be able to draft the strongest player available with every pick in 2021. Do you guys agree? Remember that in addition to all the sunny optimism around the Dolphins right now, they also have the first and second round picks of the Texans who are one of the worst teams in the league this season. What do you think, Greg? 
Um, the framing of the question I have a problem with, that they have no major holes so they can draft where, wherever they want. I mean, I love the way the Dolphins are coached. And, and so far in a tiny sample size, I love their quarterback. That's like the most two important things you can have. I would not put them in the top 20 most talented teams in the NFL. I think they could use help almost everywhere except for maybe the secondary. Um, so, so I, yeah, they, they still need to be adding more, like, blue-chip players. I think Flores has shown, though, like, if you get some good players, he'll know what to do with them and have them cohesive. I'll give you a little bit of optimism. We were just asked to make our midseason picks for NFL.com, the huge event in our lives and the lives of readers. Um, but I picked <laughs> Miami go. to go to the Super Bowl. In a rematch with Arizona, total Uh. chaos. And I'm telling you something, this Miami team reminds me of the 2001 Patriots. They were formed four after eight games. They're coached in a similar way. you got a lot of guys that were no-namers six months ago contributing. So, listen, Super Bowl is rich, but I really like the way the team – uh, is composed. I think that their future is so bright. I, don't th- I didn't think they, that this would even happen this year. Chris Greer clearly planned for what's going to happen next year with all the picks. So there is, I mean, we know, you know, Handsome Hank is a Dolphins fan. My brother uh, is a Dolphins fan. They've had nothing to cheer for for so long. This is legit right hope moment. being planted right yeah. now. It is a different type of situation. It's a problem for the Patriots that Flores is in this division. I really do think so. I think the point... Um, one of the analysts made last night that like Flacco was ready because the, you know, <laughs> the Dolphins basically wanted to do the same thing that the Patriots want to do like two weeks before, but they're better at it. Like that's a problem for the Patriots. Like they are the most Patriots looking team of any of the Patriots yep. acolytes that I've seen good and bad. And, uh, and Mark, we've been working for this company for 10 or 11 years now and you get it. You get how the metrics works. You get how headline writing, writing works. If you, go out on a limb in one of those prediction articles and say, Dolphins to the Super Bowl. Mark Sessler's getting the pop on the well, social media handle. He might even get the headline. Good work. There's no bigger pop than, you know, it, r- putting something on NFL.com in this industry right now. I mean, it just, it's, it's going to seal the future. <laughs> Listen, I picked Dallas in August. That looks like a trash bag pick. So it's like, why so not get a little the Browns Last year, right. Right. You can't always go chalk with this stuff. I hate these mid-season ones. It, it, it feels, I, um, I sat it out. Personally. Yeah, I oh, oh, I try to I, I try to keep story. everything the same unless it's totally impossible because it just feels like it's it's like what happened? Am I right still with my original pick? If it and you right. know if I change it, no. Hey, I got the Steelers running the like, Super Bowl over the Saints, so I'm I'm riding that's with looking that. good. That's Why should I, mean, I change I, it? What Adam Rank and I responded to this and no one else? I, mean, <laughs> I did. What, I did it. it. Below did, you guys, was, come on, Derek Carr. Um, or David Carr, rather, did respond, and I did want to point out, 28 people voted uh, who's going to win the MVP. 14 predicted Russell Wilson. Uh, 13 predicted Patrick Mahomes, including me. No Same one here. predicted Aaron Rodgers, which, you know, it's crazy because I think he, he might be my pick right now. Um, one person picked um, Derek Carr as the MVP. Uh, that was hmm. David Carr, his brother. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, I, if Kevin Hansis, my brother, was in the NFL, I'd do the same thing, all right? Josh Alstrom writes, Dear Dan, if the Broncos traded for Sam Darnold as a backup, he says, and he became a stud, stud, how would that make you feel? I know you're a notorious Broncos hater. I am not a Broncos hater. I like to give it to John Elway a little bit because that guy's been on top of the world his whole life, and somebody's got to take him down a peg. Uh, but – Yes, it would be very wise for a team to invest in Sam Darnold to give him a shot, including the Broncos, who, like we said, entering this year, need more options than just Mm. Drew Luck. Drew Luck, Robert Rich writes, 
Mark mentioned that the first football card he ever owned was a Richard Todd. That's a another former Jet. As a football card junkie, I'm intrigued. What years slash brands of football cards did slash does he collect? Did he experience the joys of Pro Set 89 to 93? I was in on Pro Set. Oh, Pro Set? I, I literally um, I made a huge mistake in my 20s because – I had collected the entire first year of Pro Set. Now Pro Set got really hot, and I can. It, it was the. It kind of brought football cards back into Nuclear. the zeitgeist a bit. And they, because here's what they do: they had announcer cards. I'd, I would. Well, I had a Bob Costas Pro Set card in my wallet for like all four years of high school. <laughs> oh my um, God. But they kept re. They kept reissuing like new segments of the of the collection. It was like suddenly it's like. 18 stadium cards. And so like I kept, I had a thick binder. I finally got the entire first year, not the second, but the first year. And then for some reason, um, met these two kids at a wedding, uh, in my twenties, these young boys and they love football. And I decided to give them the entire binder. Mm. I, I drove oh, to their house Lord. next Humble day brag. and gave a wet. Well, brag. no, I, I am saying it was a hideously <laughs> dumb move because I didn't conceive the fact that I could have given them to my own children, like down mm. the road. So. Oh. A Tough very thing. dumb move. I um, what the card I would really love is the 2012 Tops edition of uh, Bob Costas from the Olympics when he had pink eye. That's the card that I have always wanted and coveted. <laughs> did you, know, you ever break? <laughs> did you ever break out that like, your card like during a date in high school? Just like show uh, show the girl, hey, I, I, I want to show you my beaten up Bob Costas trading card in my wallet. If I were going on a lot of dates in high school, I probably wouldn't have been worried about that to begin with. I mean, it's you know, no. You know, this isn't going to happen for another 10 years or so, but one day this guy's going to soapbox about gun control during halftime of a football game. <laughs> you know what? The two of you, the, you lack the key ingredient of soul within you. If you feel this way about a broadcaster who you're, you're, it's, you're got, you guys are going to get old too. And there, there's going to be viewers that We're only make- know the 58 or 60 year old version of you guys. They won't remember the youthful oh. zeal, uh, packed, you know, joyful, humorous young suck. versions. <laughs> but when, when we get that age, this podcast is going to be terrible. Moving on. All right. Uh, and if you're an older listener, that doesn't mean everyone is bad when they get late in their 50s and 60s. It was just Bob Costas. All right. Nick Blitchington, uh, taking the QBs out of the conversation, who has been your favorite rookie to watch this season? Greg. I hate these open-ended questions are tough off the top of my head. No, Just, no, Justin sorry. Jefferson is the one that um, comes to mind quickly. I, okay. I I really think if he was on another team that was winning games, people, you know, he, he, statistically he's having one of the best seasons a rookie's ever had. And he just looks like he's the, he is a number one receiver as a rookie. You do not see that too often. Mark. I and mean, I think it's a weird year because I like, he comes to mind, but very few others do. I do. I do like the fact that um, I ticketed Patrick Queen for rookie of defensive rookie of the year, and he's he's in the race. Um, there's no he, good. There's no dominant defensive. Rookie. There really isn't. So it's, it's, a lot of offensive players. A ton of receivers are doing well. But we're but we're getting one of the great rookie quarterback classes of all time. So I don't really care. Makai um, Becton's my pick for obvious reasons. It's just fun hitting on the left tackle and then seeing him bully star players. Uh, hopefully, he can stay healthy. He Up is next, massive. He's we, you know, my head, you could fit all three of us inside of him. Andrew Lewis asks, have any of the heroes picked up any new hobbies during COVID times? Mark. No, they've been reduced. Um, 
<laughs> I, I don't, I mean, I probably am reading more, but that's not a new hobby. It's just something I stopped doing. But like, no, I haven't like picked up like salsa dancing or like, hey, let's have a, let's, you know, have a really cool like husband and wife hobby to do together while the kids are, you know, awake 14, 15 hours a day screaming. No. Greg. Hmm. Like our weekly, uh, I do like a weekly sort of beach you know, date with, you know, my kids. And sometimes we meet up with a, a friend. That's about it. I don't know if I've added a hobby, but that includes Walker, my son's obsession, which is we like role play football games where I'm, he wants to be all time cornerback and just break up passes and, and tackle, which I appreciate. Um, That's good. And uh, he, you know, he like, he con- concocts various scenarios, his first down, third down, you know, keeps the score. He always has to win, but that that's my hobby. Do that an hour or two a week. I taped the Power Ranking show with Money on Tuesday mornings, and Matt Money Smith, who's a re- renaissance man and really seems to be successful in anything he sets his mind to, recently, and I guess the last few years, picked up surfing, and he's out there every morning, and he's got the wetsuit, and it doesn't matter if it's 45 degrees today, this morning, wow. he's out there in the water, and he's telling me how it's the only place, you know, you know the way surfers are, it's the only place where the world really makes sense, and all that stuff, and he's saying <laughs> he takes his kids out there, and they have amazing bonding moments, and I was really jealous, because I don't think that's ever going to be my thing, but I also was thinking, like, I'm 40, and um, I don't think I should be playing like Madden and uh, MVP baseball on the PS4 uh, for the rest of my life. I I probably have hit the moment in my life where it's time to pick up something new. Mm. And I'm just, I think I'm going to make that a new year's resolution to figure out a hobby uh, that will take me into uh, deep. Maybe we can get some some suggestions from the listeners. What should be Dan's hobby? (laughs) (laughs) Not a bad idea. I will say real quick that I should have, I forgot about this. Matt Money Smith actually does figure into a hobby for me. And I mentioned it to him once before, but I drive Luke to a little friends where he does remote schooling with every day. So it's like a 30 minute drive. We listen to Matt money, money and Petros every single day um, coming back. And we listen to talk sports radio on the way up. And he has a lots of questions. So I had stopped listening to talk sports radio because I was never driving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been yeah, delightful you're driving. You're not into driving or driving. There you go. Driving, listening to Petros and money, please. Uh, Rakesh Pradhan asks, what brand new rules should be added to the game and be retained forever? Uh, I, I chose this one from Rakesh because I feel very strongly about this. It happened again on Monday night on a hit from Ashton Davis on Cam Newton that resulted in a personal foul. I am all for as much player protection as you could build into the rule book without really destroying the game. But if you're going to do that and you're going to have these uh, guys on the field, the officials, track the game at the speed it's being played and you're going to be throwing flags for 15 yards that can completely reset a drive or even a game. Why don't we add an eye in the sky element and allow the opposing coaches to challenge uh, these late hits, whether it's a shot down the middle on a wide receiver being popped by a safety or even a safety or a, a pass rusher coming off the edge and hitting a quarterback. I'm fine with that. I also think why isn't delay a game uh, challengeable? The Texans got a, uh, a 70 yard touchdown. They snapped it three seconds after the clock. That should be, should be able to review that too. We've got some breaking news though, Dan. Oh, this is a legitimate bit of breaking news. The NFL has unanimously approved playoff expansion to 16 teams. If COVID-19 
uh, eliminates meaningful games. This has been reported pretty widely uh, for a week now that this might be coming, but now the NFL is officially doing it, which means we can officially talk about it. I don't love it just because I'm worried about whether this could be something that happens in the future. It's six. It would be 16 teams, um, but this is a crazy year, and this is just a way to – I suppose make back uh, some money, frankly, if if COVID nineteen knocks out uh, some regular season games for some teams, which feels increasingly possible. Fifty six players or personnel tested positive for COVID last week uh, in the NFL. The previous high for a week was twenty six, so the the, yeah. the high doubled. Um, yeah. And so you know they're coming up with some plans. So it'd be a sixteen team tournament. It would really bang the one seeds. Well, and speaking of speaking of talk radio, I heard Dan Patrick say that an NFL source told him that if um, that this is what they want to do for good. That's what I'm worried about. But the vision it would be be 16 teams, not just this year, but if they if if this goes well, and this would be kind of a test case with with how it's perceived. um, But it also, I believe, includes not just division winners one through four. If I, I, I want to go read this again, but I thought there was talk of it being seeded by winning percentage, which means the Eagles would not host a playoff game if that's, if that's the way this rule would be enacted this time around. I'm looking at it right now, the conference standings. Uh, if, if we did go one versus eight, it would be Steelers against the Browns in the opening round. In, oh, in, in the NFC, it would be Saints versus one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Saints versus Niners. Uh, would be the one eight matchup there. You know what the NFL needs to build in these protections. Speaking of protections, uh, and then I think they should take it a step further and put everybody in a bubble as soon as this regular season ends. I don't know if that's going to happen. Doesn't sound like it is, but they need to cover their asses here. To be frank, I, ha- I hate the sixteen teams. We don't need to see the. No, we don't. We don't. I didn't like the the. I don't need to see the 13th and 14th team either. That 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 ship has sailed. Those teams are never teams I'm like, need to see them for another week. 12 was perfect. 16 to me is, uh, I hate it. Well, it's teams that have not done with it this year, but I'm, I, I hate it after this year. To, to make the playoffs, you need to, you, you, want to, you want people to see you as a playoff team, and you're going to be inviting in teams that did not get the job done, and, and I, think it, I think it's a problem. If it's a one-year thing, that's cool, but like, uh, expanding playoffs in the NFL is is a terrible idea, in my opinion, because you're going to already get one or two teams in there that we all laugh at. That's not a good product. All right, there you go. That was some good breaking news, Greg. Sometimes you've been a little hot and cold over the years with your breaking news, but it looks like you might be turning a corner. That affirmation is, like, better than any Patriots win, you know. It's great. <laughs> all right, good stuff, good show. Thank you to everybody that sent in mailbag questions. Uh, next time you hear from us, it will be, I believe, a Sessler-Rosenthal joint, right? Thursday night football this week? Who's on the Thursday night game this week? I mean, I know I am. Um, we'll we'll talk after the show. Yeah, All right, we can we'll figure it out. All right, okay, out there you go. The there you go. It'll be Greg, most likely, and a mystery guest uh, recapping the uh, Titans – Colts pre game we just previewed. And then, uh, yes, we have our NFL network show, uh, that airs on Saturday morning with, uh, additional re airs. And then, yes, Sunday night, the flagship program returns, hopefully with Chris Wesson. All right. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Rick Hollywood behind the virtual glass until Thursday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect.